Ephesians 4, verses 7 to 16 says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. God, we thank you that uh, indeed you are a firm foundation. We thank you that nothing takes you by surprise. That the winds and waves of the past week of our lives here um, did not take you by surprise. That even in the midst of that, you are a firm foundation for all who have experienced it in varying levels. And so God, we thank you for that hope, that eternal hope that you've given us. And we thank you that not only have you given us an eternal hope, but you've also given us a purpose and a calling a work to accomplish that you've gifted us each specifically for that work. God, may you renew our love and hope in the gospel this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, no doubt this week has been crazy for everybody. Um... You know, just the roller co- not only just like the experience of going through the storm itself, but just the roller coaster of preparing for, and is it going to be a four? Is it going to be a two? Should I plywood? Should I just leave it? Is it going to be okay? Should I evacuate? Should I not? All those questions and things were going through your mind. Um, and we, we, just as we said last week, you know, I'm like, I feel like I'm eating my words a little bit, but they're still true. Um, <laughs> You know, I said last week, Harvey is small. It's, just, it's a small occurrence in the scheme of the, the vastness of the universe and what God has created. And um, it's harder to say it this week, but Irma is small. <laughs> she, was actually, she actually was smaller than, than we expected here. But she really is small. In, in the vastness of what God has created, it was small. To many, the, the experience of it was big, but, you know, to us, it, it just calls to remembrance the fragile nature of ourselves 
And the truth is, more and more as we go forward from this point in time to the future until Jesus comes again, our fragile nature is going to become more and more apparent. I mean, this week, not only did we see Irma, but in the midst of us seeing Irma, there was another hurricane and another earthquake in Mexico that destroyed things in a crazy manner. Worse than here. There were tsunamis across the globe that were occurring that were destroying property and lives. You know, just this weekend, we saw a tragedy in London of, of people carrying out Uh, offenses against others because of their beliefs. This world is just going to grow in that. And and so it's important for us to understand who we are and what we're called to in the midst of uh, what, how does it say it here? Um, That we will be mature, no longer tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I think there's two things that are happening there. The reality is there are waves in this world. Some are caused by natural disasters. Some are caused by the sin of mankind himself. And God has given us a firm foundation. He has given us a, a hope, like we talked about two weeks ago now. He's given us a hope that is beyond our fragile nature that is bigger than any circumstance or situation we will face. There is an eternal hope that's been purchased for us by Jesus Christ's blood that is beyond anything that we will experience. And and so as we experience in an increasing manner the fragile nature of our lives, as we look at our world around us and as we go through the things that it brings into our path, we realize that our hope is bigger than those things. And so what we see in this passage is, is that uh, Paul is talking to the Ephesians and saying, listen, uh, first of all, God has given you a single hope, and that single hope is Jesus. But not, not only has he given you this hope in Jesus, but he's also given you a purpose with which to walk in. And, when, and that's what we'll see and, and chew on some today. And, and as you walk in that purpose, what you do is that you build up a, a body of believers, you build up the church itself so that the church itself will not be tossed to and fro by the winds of the storms, won't be tossed by the wind of, uh, of doctrine. Won't be tossed by the waves of storms, won't be, won't be tossed by and carried about by the wind of doctrine. You know, Fad beliefs come and go all the time. Spirituality comes and goes and, and things change. But Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And he will not change. And, and so as we, as a body of believers, grow in our ability and our purpose, we find that we come to a place of maturity where the waves and the wind cannot shift us. Where despite Uh, the appearance of things, we can stand firm and say, this is what we are to do. So I hope that we will see that today, that um, just as last week we saw that there's a a single worthy calling that, or two weeks ago, keep 
two weeks ago, we saw that there was a single worthy calling that we were all called to as believers. Today we see that that single calling is a calling to unity in the faith, to a knowledge of the Son, to maturity in our walk, and to truth spoken in love. And the, the way those things manifest in our lives is through the gifts that God has given to his people. So we're going to look at two things today. Uh, we're going to look at the gifts that are given for the work and the goal of the work itself. In the passage, Paul refers to us being prepared for and equipped for the work of the ministry. And I, I may have pointed this out before, but I'll, I'll start today by pointing this out, um, that the work of the ministry is not my work. <laughs> Alone, that is. It is my work, but it's also all y'all's work. Okay? There are some who are called in a vocational manner to, uh, to the building up and equipping of the church. But the passage today shows us that each and every one of us is called to the work of the ministry. Paul in verse 12 says, after saying that he's given uh, some gifts that we'll look at a little more in detail, says, why are these gifts given? They're given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So often we have that flipped, right? So often in our traditional understanding of church, there's a pastor and pastor is called to the work of the ministry. And what the Bible says to us is actually not that. The Bible says that, uh, yeah, the pastor is called in a particular way to equip the, the saints uh, the saints are the one doing the work of the ministry. That includes the pastor, but that also includes everybody else. <laughs> so that there isn't uh, this idea of a lay person that sits by and sort of consumes uh, information from the body or from the, from the man of God or the whatever, um, but rather we are all come together and, and accomplish the work of the ministry as a body. Um, I, I think in the traditional understanding of things, uh, we look at a, like the picture of the Old Testament temple and say, uh, see, in the Old Testament temple, there was a priest, right? And the priest served in the temple. And under the priest were some temple servants that prepared everything for the priest to make sacrifices and all this. And so under our traditional understanding of church, we associate the priest with the pastor, and so now the pastor has become the priest. But the reality is that First uh, Peter and many other places say that we are, we are a priesthood, that, that the believers are a priesthood, that there isn't just one person called to a priesthood, but all are called to come into the presence of the Lord. And so instead of seeing a pastor akin to a priest of the Old Testament, we ought to see a pastor or a minister akin to a temple servant of the Old Testament. And the temple servants, their job was to prepare everything for the priest, to, to lay it there before him, to say, here you go, here's, here's, the, here's the, the animal that you're about to sacrifice and it's ready for you, and here's a clean basin that's ready for you to prepare and do the sacrifice. And, and they were there to make sure that ministry could be facilitated. 
and, and allow it to occur. And so we have to change our mindset and say, those who are called to some vocational ministry, aren't, it's not like they've reached some spiritual level that's higher than anybody else. No. No. <laughs> not even close. They might be the worst of us, <laughs> full of pride and of themselves and wanting to talk all the time. Okay. Okay. So the truth is that a, a calling to vocational ministry is a calling to be a temple servant. To say, here's what the word says, and, and priests, do the work of the ministry. Walk in this. So we have to flip that in our minds uh, quickly and, and not place the pastor or, or leaders of churches on some pedestal like they're holier and like they're unattainable, but rather reverse that and realize that I'm the priest, as in everyone. Everyone that has come to a knowledge of Jesus as their their Lord and Savior has become righteous in his behalf, on his behalf. And and stands pure and holy, a a holy priesthood. So let's flip that in our minds first. The second thing um, we need to flip is that um, we're unified as the body of Christ as a whole. And, um, and so this church is one body of believers, but it's, it's not the body of believers. It's one manifestation of it, it's one part of it, um, but the body of believers is, is bigger than just us. I think I'll get into that a little bit in a moment. First, let's look at the gifts that are given. Uh, so, there are gifts given to each of us in which we need to operate, or roles rather, in which we need to operate uh, for the church to uh, accomplish its goal in the work of ministry, to achieve unity, knowledge, maturity, and truth and love. And here Paul gives us really five things um, that, are, that are roles that we function in naturally, that God has given to us. And uh, so we're going to walk through those things just from the, from the outset of our passage, what, what uh, Paul is saying, and I'll, I'll abbreviate this very quickly for you, verses 7 to 10, Paul talks about uh, Christ ascending and descending, and thus he ascended, and since he descended, he ascended. He's sort of back and forth. It gets a little confusing. All that he is saying there is that Jesus Christ came to earth, and then he rose again. That's all you need to know, Okay. He came to earth, he rose again, and when he rose, when he left, he gave us gifts. He left, but he he sent the Holy Spirit, and he sent us specific gifts according to his grace for us each to function in. And then Paul goes in and and talks about what those gifts are, what those roles are. I'll say roles here, and I think they can be roles and gifts— uh, because there, there's another place like in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 where Paul gives a gift list of spiritual gifts that he's given to people. And those include uh, a number of things like, uh, like healing, interpretation of tongues, and discernment of the spirits, and miracles, and, and these sorts of things. And those are, those are giftings. Um, and these are gifts too, but they're more roles that we, we each have in some capacity. And these roles are... Uh, the role of apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And my belief is that 
those sound like titles that might be foreign to you and not, you know, not something you would put on yourself. Uh, but the truth is, you have a base gifting in, in one of those areas. You have a natural tendency toward one of these things. And you'll, I think you'll sort of see it a little bit more as I uh, talk about what these things are. So there's five things. Traditionally, they're known as a five-fold ministry. Um, and in some cases, they've been known as, okay, only the pastor has one of these five-fold ministries. And what I'm saying to you is that all of us operate in these in some capacity. So let me run through them. Uh, and this is in verse 11. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. The apostle. And literally, this is just the definition of what these things are. Uh, the apostles are ones who are sent out. They're ones who are sent out. Contextually, that means ones who are sent out to create new works, new kingdom works, new churches, new uh, ministries, new, new um, engagements in the kingdom of God. Ones who are sent out. In the business world, this would, you, you might call this person an entrepreneur, someone who starts things, someone who begins things. And the core question this person asks themselves and asks about the environment around them is, are we leading the saints into their calling? Looking at the big picture and saying, is this thing leading the saints into their calling? Yes or no? And how can we make that happen? That's what the apostle asks. The apostles are sent ones who establish a group of saints. Second on the list there, he gives prophets. These are ones who speak for God and interpret his will to the saints. Ones who have in some way received a word from the Lord and have communicated that to the group of saints and said, this is what the Lord is saying right now. And I'm, I, I don't understand. Maybe I don't even understand exactly what it means that he's saying it this way, but he's saying that in this wave, we need to take an understanding of our firm foundation in Christ, right? I interpreting what is going on and saying, God is telling us that you have a firm foundation in Jesus in spite of the waves that are around you, right? A prophet says exactly what the people need to hear. He speaks for God and interprets the will to the saints. It's not about uh, predicting the future and saying, uh, in the year 2050, uh, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to come back. I know the Bible says a white horse, but he's actually going to come back on a gold diamond-studded horse because God just told me that. That's not what a prophet does, okay? That's not his deal. He's not reinventing what has already been said. He is speaking truth into the saints and interpreting the will of God to say, this is what God is saying to us now. He's not a spiritual fortune teller, you know what I mean? He's just, he's saying what is needed to say right now to hear it. And the, the question that this person, a prophet, asks is, are the saints hearing God's voice and responding to it? Sometimes this person can come across as harsh because they're often blunt and they'll say, hey, you need to get your junk together and read your Bible, or go to church, or whatever it is, and they will be really upfront with you sometimes, and it's not always fun to hear. But when they say it, you're like, yeah, 
that's true, actually. That hurts a lot right now. It's really kind of digging in my soul. It's actually very true. (laughs) And so then you get to decide, am I going to respond to that truth or am I not? It's the prophet. The evangelist. Uh, The evangelist is one who brings good news. It's literally the definition, the bringer of good tidings. That's that's what it is. And so in this context, this is one who is uh, gifted in a particular way to bring good news so others can become saints. The building up of the body of believers includes bringing more believers to the body. And this person is particularly gifted in that manner. The question that this person asks is, are there new people entering the kingdom of God or not? And how do we make that happen? They don't care about uh, Calvin or Arminian, or they don't care about whether God predetermined it or whether it's our free will. They don't care a lick. They just said, Jesus said that we need to respond to him and confess to him that he is Lord and Savior. And I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't care if God knew it beforehand. I don't care if he didn't know it beforehand. You need to know the gospel and you need to respond to it now. That's the evangelist. He's out there wanting to bring people into the new kingdom. Not concerned too much about doctrinal discussions. Just saying, come to Jesus. He is the answer, the only answer. You need him now. There are shepherds. The shepherds are the ones who take care of the saints. They're very different than the evangelist or the prophet. They, they want to make sure you're feeling okay. <laughs> make sure, is everything all right? They're much, much more calm, much more uh, of a listening nature and hearing you. And they might not, they might not be a person that speaks uh, some bold truth into your life very bluntly. And that might be their fault in a, in a way. They're just trying to understand, how are you? Are you feeling okay this morning? Like, it, I feel really bad about that. You know, it's very empathetic and understanding. Their common question is, are the saints caring for and showing compassion to one another? You can see as I go through this list that you don't always need just a shepherd. Because <laughs> the shepherd's not necessarily going to come and tell you the exact truth that you need to hear like a prophet will. You actually need both in your life in some way. Someone that's there to say, this is what you need to hear and you need to respond to it now. Like you really need to change this in your life. And you also need someone that's there like, hey, I want to just want to help you with this. Like, are you, are you getting this? You feeling okay with this? And so the shepherd is there to care for, show compassion in that. Finally, God gives teachers. This is one who instructs and explains God's word to the saints. The question is, are the saints understanding and living out the word of God? It's pretty simple. You know, the, the teacher looks at the word and says, hey, this is what it says. See, that's what it says. This is what it's saying. Okay, we're going to look at this and this is what it says. See that? That's how it says that. That's what that means. Okay. The core question is, do you understand this and, and, and are you living it out? What I want to tell you is that um, God has given us all these gifts in some capacity. And there's one of those roles that that you more naturally fit into. um, And God wants to use that in you. He he wants to use maybe your 
your uh, blunt prophetic nature. Or he wants to use maybe your shepherdly caring nature in someone else's life. He wants to use your evangelist nature that, hey, you you need to know Jesus. Like he wants to use that. He wants to use your apostle nature to say, okay, how can we organize this thing in a better way so that it functions and goes in the right direction? He wants to use your teaching nature to to take a, a body of material, chiefly the word of God, and say, you know, what does it mean that the David killed the Goliath? And, and what, are the, what, what are the pieces of armor that, that are there on Goliath? And, and did, how, did, how did David exactly kill Goliath? And why is that important? You know, like those questions actually are very important. And a teacher looks at those things and says, yeah, like this is, this is you need to know this. God has given us uh, each a, a role in that. And I encourage you to, to ask God, like, God, where is my role in this? Like, I know that you've called me to equip the rest of the saints. I'm not, I'm not like just randomly a part of this body of believers. Like, how have you called me to be a piece of this body and, and to um, equip one another with what you've equipped me with? Because the truth is, like, a shepherd needs to hear from an evangelist and an evangelist needs to hear from a prophet because they don't naturally function in those ways, okay? I mean, you guys have all taken personality tests, right? If we were all an INFJ, um, I can't remember which one that is, but if we were all that one type, it'd be a pretty boring world, you know? We need each other to, uh, to build up and, and make this into what God has created it to be. God has given the church gifts by the grace of his son. He, he came to earth. He provided an eternal hope for us so that all the winds and waves that we go through, we don't have to worry about because we know we have a secure eternal hope in him. So what an answer that we have for our world, that, that as your friends are around you, go through this and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. My house is falling apart. Everyone over there in that other country is like going crazy on each other. This world just seems like it's going to pieces. You're like, yeah, like it is. <laughs> but praise be to God, my hope isn't in this dirty old thing. You know what I mean? My hope is in a gold uh, uh, we were talking about it this week with our kids, a, a, a city with streets of gold, <laughs> right? Streets that are made of gold. That's how, you know, an important thing like gold is just used as a street, right, Hattie? Yeah. And our hope is in something that is way beyond this earth. And so we have a firm foundation in that. So not only has he given us this hope, but he's also given us a purpose in which we can remind each other of this hope, encourage each other in this hope. And and that purpose is found in the giftings that he's given out by his grace to us. The giftings of apostleship, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and the host of other spiritual gifts that he uses in us from time to time. I wanted to share this uh, with you. Okay. Um, 
might look like a crossword or you know some sort of uh, Sudoku or something like that, but it's not. Um, so what I want us to step back and realize is sometimes we get focused on this is our church, and our church needs an apostle, prophet, a, an evangelist, a shepherd, and teacher. And the truth is, that, like, God has a bigger body, okay? And so what we see here is, this is very rough justice, okay? Um, these little dotted line squares are churches. So, you know, little, little C, churches, okay? And each of those little churches have an apostle, an evangelist, teacher, teacher, prophet, shepherd. You know, some might have more shepherds than teachers or prophets than, than uh, apostles or whatever, but they all function together. And, and they build each other up so that we grow into maturity in Christ. But the thing we got to realize is that the body of Christ is bigger than that. It, you know, we, we sometimes get focused on this is us, okay? And we forget that this is us right? Actually. And so while my, my chief uh, calling may be to, uh, to help, and, and they by proximity are going to do that naturally, also what's happening is that, you know, a prophet from here is influencing a teacher from there, and an apostle here is influencing a shepherd over here, and an apostle here is influencing a, a teacher here. It's it's incorporated. It's, it's more dynamic than that. That's why we pray for other churches, because we are one body here. And that body then reaches out to our world with the hope of the gospel. God has given each one of us, each single one of us, gifts. We've got to find what that is and use it to equip the saints for the ministry. Yes, some maybe here, I've got a solid line. Some, someone is, is called to vocational ministry. They're, they're called to vocational ministry in that church. So they've, that's, their only job is that. Some are called to bivocational ministry. Some are called to trivocational ministry. You know, there, there are some that, that partially work in a vocational calling. But others, doesn't mean, just because you're not vocational doesn't mean you're not a shepherd. Doesn't mean you're not a prophet. Doesn't mean you're not a teacher. You may not have a vocational calling, but you do have a gift that God wants to use for the equipping of uh, your, your church that you are tied to and also every other piece of the body of Christ that you are tied to. No doubt you all probably work with people that are Christians. <laughs> Turns out they need your gift too. You don't just hoard it for your own church. You just share it, you know, all over. All right. Okay, so God gives gifts to his people, and that includes you. It's not just me. So that's point one. Point two, God gave us gifts to use in the work of the ministry. What's the goal? The goal is this, and verses 13 to 16, and I won't spend a ton of time on it because I spent a lot of time on the first part. Uh, Verses 13 to 16 tell us, what we are to do, why we are given these gifts. We're given these gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, got that. The body of Christ is bigger than just this body. It's the whole body. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
Okay, so that's point one. Why are we giving these gifts? To draw closer in the unity of faith, to understand our one worthy calling in Christ. Two, to increase in the knowledge of the Son of God, okay, to understand who Jesus was and what he did on our behalf and how that affects me as, a, uh, as someone of uh, apostle nature and me as someone as a shepherd nature who's there wanting to just care and empathize with people and me as a prophet who's trying to speak boldly into someone's life, you know, make sure I'm saying the right thing to their life instead of making up something. To increase in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of humanity? No, the fullness of Christ. He wants us to measure to the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to become so much like Christ. The goal is to be like Jesus, not like almost like Jesus, like, like Jesus. The fullness of the stature of Christ. So that, why? So that when Irma comes, so that when terrorism comes, so that when job loss comes, so that when uh, heat and no AC, like, so that when any of these things come, we are no longer like children tossed to and fro by the waves. If you are left to yourself, isolated, on your own, this stuff it doesn't work. It, it doesn't set in. You're not reminded of it because too often you get in your head and you convince yourself that something different is the case. We need each other to come alongside and say, there is a firm foundation in Jesus. How can I help you today? How can I uh, show you the love of Christ? How can I build you up into the mature nature of Jesus, that you might face this wave, that you might face this wind. So that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by the craftiness of deceitful schemes. Again, God has given us each these gifts so that we might stand against the fragile nature of our world, that we might stand against the deceitful schemes of our world. It, it, did you know that there are people out there that would like to control you? They would like to sell you something that you ought not buy? Like, it's out there and it's constantly bombarding us. And, and so you need to be surrounded by those who will build you up that you can stand up against the deceitful schemes and human cunning. Paul finally says that rather we might speak the truth in love, that we may grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What Paul is telling the Ephesians and, and telling to us is that he's prepared you. He has equipped you, each, each of you, all of us. He has equipped us. 
And the reason he has equipped us is not just that we would be equipped, but that we could then equip each other. He's made me into apostle that I might equip you for the ministry. He's made you into a prophet that you might equip me for the ministry. He's made you into a shepherd that you might equip her for the ministry. He's made us in this way that we might equip one another. And the controlling factor in that is love. When each part is working properly, the body will grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me tell you, the prophet that doesn't have love, it's a scary thing. (laughs) You don't want to meet a prophet that doesn't have love. It hurts real bad. Um... You don't want to meet an apostle without love. You definitely don't want to meet an evangelist without love. (laughs) There's a lot of them. They have a lot of little tracks and they try and throw them at you. (laughs) Shooting, yeah, throwing stars. Um, God has given us gifts that we might build each other up in love for the work of the ministry. Let's go with this. You've been equipped so that you can equip. The equipping in the church isn't given to uh, a professional minister. That is an old understanding that has to die. (laughs) The more we hold on to this concept that the man of God is the only one that is called to do the work of the ministry, to equip the body for what it is to do, the worse our churches will be. It is very easy for us to put other people on a pedestal, especially people that are put into places of perceived or real leadership. And as soon as we put them there, they are destined to fall. And so we have to step back and realize that that my hope in Jesus does not rely on another person. My hope in Jesus doesn't rely on the holiness of a priest. At least in the human sense. It, It relies on one priest, the high priest, Jesus. And and Jesus is the one that has called us each to take part in this ministry, to do the work of the ministry, not to leave it to somebody else. You've been equipped so that you can equip. Finally, this, God has given us a hope that's beyond the fragile nature of our world, of our universe. This thing is going to break apart. It's breaking apart. But we have a hope that outlasts it. No matter how long, you know, this goes on, our hope goes on longer. And in that, we also have a purpose. A purpose to point people to that hope. 
to help people realize that, man, if your hope is in the things of this world, they can be wiped away by a storm in an instant, in a second. Before you're even prepared for it to happen, it can be on your doorstep. He's given us a hope, and that hope is meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared with the rest of the body of believers. It's meant to be shared beyond the body of believers so that we all might attain to the unity of the faith in Christ Jesus. So that we all might grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. That we all might come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So they all might face the waves and winds of doctrines, the human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes, and build each other up in love. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity it is to be challenged by your word. And we pray that we would grasp it and walk in it. Pray that we would be committed to building each other up in love. God, we pray that for our city, that more would come to know that you are the hope of the world, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father, no one comes to God, except through Jesus Christ, the Son. And Lord, we pray that we would proclaim that gospel with our lives, with our words, with our actions, to one another and to our world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.